0: Hello, it's Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vet, welcoming you to another episode of Vet Chat, the number one UK's veterinary podcast. And I'm super thrilled today to have uh, Kelly Kessen and Kat Henstridge on the line today. We're going to be talking about brachycephalics. And uh, Kelly is a vet at the Dutch charity Deer & Recht, which is animals and the law. And Kat is, of course. Known across the world as Cat the Vet, social media superstar. I think it's fair to say, Cat. Thank you. It's really great to have you both on. And we're going to be talking uh, about all things brachycephalic. Obviously, um, I think in the UK, the French Bulldog vies with the Labrador to be the, the most popular UK breed. Pugs and English Bulldogs are also pretty high on that list. And there's been a real trend over the last four or five years to to start pushing, you know, particularly BVA with uh, discouraging companies from advertising using brachycephalic dogs. But I have to say, Kat, uh, looking at the evidence, we are really lagging behind the European scene, aren't we? Particularly in the Netherlands. I know Kelly's going to talk about this. Uh, The Dutch are doing amazing things in just improving animal welfare, because these are dogs that are obviously popular with people, but they suffer a lot with veterinary problems, don't they, Cat
1: Hugely. And when you really look at the evidence and the underlying medical problems that these dogs have and how embedded within the breeds that they are, you know, how embedded in the breeds they are, um, it becomes harder and harder to justify their, their existence on any level. You know, once you start to look into it and start to learn about it and start to realize just how widespread, how constant, you know, and how extreme the suffering is simply because of the way the animals are bred to look. And we concentrate of course on the head end and the breathing, uh, but you know, then we've also got the skin folds and the allergies the spinal problems, the hip dysplasia, you know, front to back, tail folds, you know, front to back, these Mm. dogs suffer. And um, we need to do something about it. And we've tried consistently to educate and to change minds and to gently persuade and to push for breed standard changes and that sort of thing. Um, And Europe now we at the UK, we're very behind because Europe has basically lost its patience. And in rather than allowing the breeders and the breed clubs and the vets even to take the control, we've had our opportunity and quite frankly, we've failed. Governments are stepping in and legislating against these animals because mm. without you know, we've tried the carrot and it's not worked, we've tried a very gentle stick and it's not worked. So European countries, Norway, has just had some legislation. Um, the Netherlands has passed what I think is a fantastic law that's going to be incredibly successful. I think it's really the way to go. Other countries are coming um, and they've decided that enough is enough. Changes need to be made. And unfortunately, without you know law change, no change will happen.
0: We'll bring Kelly in in a second, but obviously in the UK, we have the kennel club that decides on breed standards. And you kind of hope to see a more, you know, just a better approach. But it it seems that, uh, unfortunately, the kennel club also moves extremely slowly, doesn't it?
1: Well, the problem is, is the kennel club actually has very little power over the breeds. It's the breed clubs that really have the power to change breed standards and to enact improvements. The kennel club is their overarching body, um, but they actually don't write the breed standards the breeds club do, the breed clubs do. And the kennel club argument has always mm. been that if they come down too hard, the breeds clubs will leave the kennel club, set up on their own, and be completely out of that arrangement at all. Whereas at least within the kennel club fold, There is some degree of accountability happening. Um, In the UK, what we have is we have the Brachycephalic Working Group, which is uh, an organisation that's got representatives from the kennel club, from the breed clubs, from the BVA, from the research arms, you know, from welfare organisations, and they all meet, and they've all talked ad nauseum for years. I think it might even be a decade old. And really, they have enacted zero significant changes really and unfortunately i think it's because the the breed clubs are involved and there is a very very stubborn refusal to to change they don't want to change they don't want to change the way their animals look and so you know they're very focused on trying to improve health within they're trying to improve health it's not that they don't like their dogs it's just that they like the dogs the way that they look so you know they're trying to improve health within the very restrictive boundaries of how these dogs they think these dogs should look but of course mm. that means that improvements are, are at a glacial pace or even no pace at all um so yeah we
0: so perhaps if we uh highlight you know that there is very little change happening in the uk with the system that we're using over the last decade uh, the very dutch little. bit more direct to be making some really good uh movements forward haven't they i believe there was the the legislation that was passed I think it was way back in 2014. So this is almost a decade old. So Kelly, um, tell us where we're going wrong and how we can perhaps start to move in the right direction uh, towards the the Dutch model.
2: Well, um, well, we have this legislation for almost a decade, but uh, when it started in 2014, nothing happened. We Mm. had a perfectly uh, good law, um article saying that you cannot breed with dogs with uh, uh, harmful features Uh, but everything went on the same way so uh, we had to work hard to get it changed and um, the first thing we did in 2016 was a big law enforcement request on 16 bulldog french bulldog breeders uh, which bred according uh the the pedigree standards and um government said well this is nice that you have all these uh proof but uh, we don't see anything going wrong we don't know uh what is a harmful uh, nose harmful features hmm. uh, so it was a very uh big thing to get uh criteria on the skull and this request, we we quest was the basic uh, way to go because everything, uh, well, the breeders got angry about it. And uh, inspectors of the government said, okay, we can see that this is not okay, but what is? So then the University of Utrecht got um, uh, the task to to make those criteria. And in 2019, uh, they were published in March. And uh, even then, uh, there was almost no enforcement at all. The only enforcement came, almost the only enforcement came from uh, the uh, request we did. Hmm. Uh, and
0: uh, At that point, I think, Kelly, there were warnings, but no fines, were there?
2: In the beginning, there were only warnings and no fines. That's true. And uh, politicians had to uh, step into it to get government to act on the law. And unfortunately, there was um, a pandemic and uh, a Ukraine uh, war that yeah. made inspectors have other things to do. Uh, but now, uh, the minister has said we had a transitional period, so you could use a French bulldog with a, a red snout with a very short snout in uh, and crossing it with a green snout. It was it was allowed uh, mm-hmm. until March. Now, until August 23 this year. Yeah. Uh, but now the minister has said the trans- transitional period is over and uh, we are going to enforce it very uh, strictly now.
0: Kelly, perhaps we can just talk about these criteria of the skull because we've obviously yes. got um, the green and the red and I think the intermediate stage. So perhaps can tell us what a green snout kind of looks like but also you know w- what you kind of should expect from a dog that has a, a green you know a snout. normal a normal snout for a for a french bulldog or a, a, a pug or whatever
2: well for a pug or a french bulldog it's not normal they do not uh, meet those criteria uh for almost all of the time but a green snout should have a nose which is half the skull length so you measure it from um, from here till here yeah this is the skull length and this is the nose length so for a dog it needs to be half and then you'll
0: need to do that for us again kelly for those who are listening you will not have seen that kelly turned her head for those of you who are watching it on webinar bet you will see the the model doing her work again so you need to move over more and then do the is it from the tip of the nose to the back of the head basically there you go I'm modeling it now can you do it as well Kat well, we well this is not the,
1: the, it's, the, it's from the forehead to the back of the skull it's it? from the
0: forehead right yeah so that's yes, the skull that's, the skull. that's, the, skull.
1: that's the skull length so the nose has to be at least a third is it a third of the length of the skull or a half a length of the skull did you say
2: well, if you go for green, then it's half. If yeah. you go for orange, which is allowed, then it's a third. Right. And orange is only allowed if all the other five criteria are green.
0: And of course, Kelly, we, you know, as a dermatologist, as somebody who used to treat these dogs, it's the, it's the skin folds around the nose and the eyes, and obviously, as we talked about, the, the bottom these are dogs that need a lot of maintenance just to keep them in reasonable shape with their skin, you know, cleaning those often because they get fungal infections in there. Yes, it's um, so a problem. with the green snout, I think there's no uh, folds allowed are there.
2: No. And that's the other criteria.
1: Yeah. Well, well, that's what I was going to say. This is so fabulous about the Netherlands um, legislation. And what we're talking about when we're talking about green, red, and orange is that this is amazing graphic where, um, it's showing a, a, a normal dog's, it's in a cartoon form, a normal dog's face uh, and then a pug dog face and this um, green, orange and red, you know, the red very close to the face and then this orange section and then green and, it, you know, mm. any dog red within the green is okay. Any dog in the orange, which is quite a narrow um, distance, yeah. it is, is, is fine as long as, like you say, there's other criteria like nasal folds and the, the ability to close their eyes Absolutely basic. That's not an unreasonable
0: thing to expect, is
1: it? But it's what's brilliant about the graphic is it is so simple and so obvious and it's and so clear, you know, because I think a lot of the time we talk, you know, as people who are really involved in this situation all the time, we understand it intuitively from our education and our experiences. But the vast majority of ordinary people just, you know, see pugs and French bulldogs and think, oh they're cute and they are cute and, and they are popular. Um but that graphic is what is so fabulous because it is so obvious. And when you see it like that, you realise how debilitated and, and disabled these animals are. Um, and the criteria for the law are so simple and so basic. We need an animal that can yes. close its eyes when it goes to sleep. Um, and and then when,
0: and not ignore.
1: Precisely. And then when you spell it out like that, not only is it a very you know because the criteria are so clear like kelly said it's very easy to judge very quickly whether these dogs are breaking the law or their breeders are breaking the law or not and therefore follow that up with fines um but also it's very easy to for the ordinary pet owner and the dog lover to see it
0: hmm. kelly just to make it clear so in the netherlands you cannot now breed a french bulldog or a pug is that correct
2: Uh, Yeah, well, that's correct. Yes, yes. And I tried to share the the picture uh, Kat was telling about, but I'm not so good at it. No, it's
0: showing it's good. It's good. For those who are listening, do look out for the notes below the podcast and we'll make sure we put this picture in or we find some way of uh, directing you to the picture because it does make it very, very clear.
2: Yes, well, it, it is for, uh, forbidden to breed a pug or a French bulldog. Um, yes, but if the dog has green is green in the criteria and some French bulldogs are, then you can breed with it. So mm. it's not a breeding ban, it's um, a criteria ban.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting, Kelly, because if you look back at pictures from 200 years ago, you know british pictures the english bulldog was a working dog you know he was a he was a sort of hunting dog against the bulls and so on and you know controlling them and, and you know a very fit athletic animal and of course as time has gone by we've basically shortened the nose through breeding yes. so it would be lovely to see the bulldog coming back without the folds and with the longer nose so breeding those debilitating features out which as Kat says are attractive to some people but are not healthy for the dog and not good for the dog's welfare I think would be it would be great to see that breed being resurrected into an athletic animal again
2: an athletic animal and without all the inbreeding Yeah. yeah that's the point these breeds aren't banned there's no ban of
1: these breeds you know all all the law says is that they need to be bred you know with a healthy ability to breathe. And and this law very concentrates very much on the, you know, head end of the dog. Like I said earlier, there's issues with the spine and hips and whatnot. But, you know, clearly the the, the biggest suffering is the head. But there's no ban. These dogs can still be bred. They just need to be bred with a face. And then, and everything can, can carry on. And if you, I don't know if you're aware of the, there's a Facebook group called Cruffer which if you are at all interested in this subject and um, these issues, then I would really recommend that you join, uh, which is run by Jemima Harrison, uh, who did the Pedigree Dogs Exposed documentaries. Um, And they regularly share, don't they, Kelly, because I'm sure you're in there, pictures of French bulldogs that have been bred with noses and are being bred, like you say, that sort of more, you know, back, back to that original. And they look like French bulldogs they look like French. If you showed that dog to again a member of the public who wasn't involved in these debates and said, "What breed of dog is that?", they would almost certainly get it right, because they still look like a French bulldog. They, and then you Absolutely. stand next to the show standard dog, you know, with its, you know, it, it, it could, st- you know, its face so flat you could put a ruler up against it, and you realize how ridiculous they are. Um, mm. yeah, there's, there's no. There's no excuse for it anymore, and the, there's no ban, which again is what is so brilliant about this this Dutch legislation.
0: Yeah, and I suppose, cat, if you if you took that dog to a dog show with the long nose, it probably wouldn't win the show.
1: It it would it wouldn't it wouldn't get anywhere near the show, you know. I mean, it would
0: just
1: be <laughs> because it just to the breed standard but it is still a member of a member of the breed and you know this is yes this is this is the problem and this is the mindset that we have to change and um i think it's the public opinion is going to be the key really to just go well obviously that's a french bulldog why actually do they look so extreme when Clearly, this breed can look like a lot less extreme and, and still be very, very recognisable. Um, and that's already happening, isn't it, in Holland, Kelly? That public opinion of the severity of the breeding because of the publicity of this law is now really shifting, isn't it?
2: Well, we have really have uh, flat face shaming. People who are are uh, walking their pugs or French bulldogs uh, in parks or Wherever um, they get uh, messages from other people that why do you have such a, a snoring animal? It's not healthy, and they get a feeling of, of shaming that they have such a dog. Uh, and this is a good thing, they start immediately start explaining, Well, I adopted him, or I didn't know before. So, this is a very good thing. Public opinion is, is really changing, and uh. Uh, a, a more, um, a, a better thing even is that that our um, government said beginning of this year, they are going to have a keeper's ban. Um, so there will be a trade ban on these animals in the Netherlands, uh, if it goes like he said in January, and it means that um, uh, people will not be allowed to buy or sell these dogs anymore, and this is very important because now breeders cannot breed um, these dogs in the Netherlands. If they breed a dog with a longer snout, they don't get pedigrees, unfortunately. And um, they have a problem because their dog uh, gives them less yeah, money, cash. cash. And uh, people buy these, still buy these dogs from mm. out of the country. They come from other countries into the Netherlands and we don't solve the problem yet. So the trade ban uh, will be there and we already got a trade ban for cats, for Scottish fold cats. And it probably starts in January 2025. Hmm. So this is a start.
0: Interestingly, Kelly, though, I believe in the Netherlands, companies can still use brachycephalic dogs and cats to, to advertise their words that's something that hasn't been banned yet
2: no still that this is also a law that has been announced the advertisement with animals with harmful features will also be uh, prohibited um, but it takes a little time or a big time to to change mm. the laws to get it done but it's yeah. announced
0: we yes. we are the same in the uk although i think bba have been very good at uh, approaching companies that use Reiki Cervalics, haven't they, cats, and trying to encourage them not to use these animals in advertising going forward.
1: Yes, that's been, and it's not legally, it's not illegal in the UK, but there has been again, and that was the point of the CRUFA, it stands for Campaign Against Flat-Faced Animals in Advertising, that's how that started, and that's how that went, you know, and if you think about it, you don't really notice until you think, but if you think back in the UK, you know, even just Two or three years ago you would see pugs on everything notebooks and yeah. mugs and bedding and all sorts and always in an advert you know and always and and it has been an incredibly successful campaign and public led this is the other thing is you know you need to get that public opinion and once you start pointing these things out people have very quickly come on board because it's such an obvious problem when you when you explain it well and now, any business that has an advert that has a flat-face animal in it, I absolutely guarantee you within an hour they will receive emails or messages on social media from yes. just yeah. members of the public saying, "Are you aware that there is a campaign against this?" And then the BVA came on board, so they weren't the instigators, but they have yeah legitimized it. you know, so they took it and went, "This is an amazing idea. They wrote a document, and of course, if you're going to you know ring up. A national company to be able to then send them the bva document and say you know this isn't just my opinion this is the opinion of the leading veterinary body in the uk yeah it has been fantastically successful and and and, yes. and yes. removed these dogs and highlighted all the other wonderful breeds that we have and so this you know that sort of almost subliminal messaging that they are desirable and that they are cute and that they are attractive has been pulled back that doesn't mean to say that people still don't think that um but certainly that has been a real cultural shift that has been incredibly successful and it just shows you how something so simple you know when you hit on a brilliant idea can be so great and and you know this the public opinion I I understand the shaming I do and I it makes me uncomfortable because I don't want people to feel bad about owning their animals. I want them to love them, I want them to care for them, I want them to enjoy owning their animal. But we still need there has to be that mindset change that there is a problem with them and that, you know, love this pug, but next time maybe don't buy one. Um but Rowena yeah. Pack has done a load of work, hasn't she? To show that and it will be interesting to see if in the Netherlands that actually that public opinion changes other people's actions. You know, if somebody, if it becomes.
2: I can tell you French, about that if so you should, want.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, well, let me just Because in the UK, Rowena Pakistan done quite a bit of work to show that at uh, the RVC to show that people will buy a, buy a French bulldog, buy a pug, have an enormous amount of health problems, realise it's suffering and struggling. Have to put it to sleep even because of those issues, and then they will go and buy another one. That that experience of owning an ill animal in the UK doesn't seem to be following. So I'd be so interested to know what you you're finding over there.
2: Yeah, well we we did research uh, in, and this was what I saw in practice. What you're telling me, like that you put a French bulldog asleep because of a hernia or whatever other very bad problems uh, he has. And they buy a new one, mm. but we have information from Petplan. This is an insurance company for uh, animals, for health problems, and uh, we have several years of French bulldogs um, uh, insurances uh, information. And they said us that last year, uh, beginning from the campaign we started last year, uh, the amount of insurances dropped seven percent in French bulldogs only. So this this is a number we can use to say uh, people are buying less French bulldogs. Mm.
0: I think um, Kelly, this was your campaign, uh, corpkeenkortsnote.nl, uh, yeah, which this... basically translates into "Don't buy uh, short do- short uh, nose dogs."
2: Flat faced dog, yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, flat face dog. So
1: Those posters are so direct um were, were those pet plan figures yeah. are they for the netherlands or are they for europe what 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 where are those
2: in the rich- netherlands in
1: they the were. netherlands yeah, yeah so i did and and this is this is what's sad isn't it is we've tried to be nice and we've tried to be understanding and we've tried to educate yeah. and until you actually come out with some really hard hitting and sometimes almost being a, li- a little bit unkind to people Nothing is changing. And then, how how long has this yeah. how long have those posters been out, Kelly? Because they were they were with you guys last year, weren't they?
2: Well, we started this campaign with the dogs uh, behind my back uh, in August last year, um, and now we just started. Uh, we added the cats, so we have cat posters exactly. now, and we translated it into English. So it's now don't be. Bay- Buy a flat-faced dog or cat, and you can find it on the internet uh, in English.
1: There will be quite a significant backlash because how how were they how were those posters um, uh, accepted in the Netherlands? Because they're so direct. This animal, you know, what's what's this one? There's like, don't buy one, and then there's one a flat face. Oh, a flat face is, is a disgrace. That's the one which is yes. really like, and a
2: flat face comes oh. at a price.
1: Yeah. Yes. How how were they initially viewed by the general public? Did, was there an instant acceptance or did you actually have quite a backlash from people who who took this very personally?
2: Both. Uh the the people who own these animals were very um well, uh upset. Upset. Yes, that's a good word. Very upset and some of them were very angry. Uh but uh veterinarians they are so happy with it because uh, they, a lot of veterinarians, didn't speak out because they are afraid of uh, their clients going away to other people. I don't know what. And now they are all together, all saying this together. It's not only one vet or one organization. Mm. No, we did it all together uh, with vets yeah. and welfare organizations. And they are very comfortable. To speak out now, and um, and it, it spread out uh, very quickly. We had more than two and a half million impressions in, in the mm. Netherlands in within two weeks or so, and that's a lot.
0: If I can just give my perspective on this, I think knowing the Dutch, and the Belgians quite well, um, you are much more direct than us, and we are very polite. And we don't like to offend anybody, and so we will pussyfoot around issues. Whereas the Dutch, you know, and generalizing apart because obviously I, you know, I accept, but you are much more direct, and I think there's real pros in that. I was speaking to a Dutch fan that we work with, and they say, you know, the Dutch sometimes can be too direct, you okay. can be too polite, you know, it's probably. I mean this is obviously working and I think it's it's really good. I think the difficulty for for a vet, you know, and I obviously had bulldogs and and pugs coming into my practice is that we become a vet because we love animals and we become a vet because we want to make sick animals better. And so when a pug comes into our practice with a skinfold problem or whatever the problem is, we want to make it better and you know there's definitely that side i don't think it's a money thing but I, I think you don't want to hurt people's feelings because they've now got that dog and it's as you're saying cat we've tried all the gentle oh you know the dog isn't you know these are not the most healthy they need a lot of high maintenance if you get a bulldog it's a dog that you need to spend time with every day to clean the folds out which are very smelly and unpleasant and yet that dog dies usually before it reaches 10. And then they get another bulldog. So, mm-hmm. you know, we clearly, as vets in the UK, have not done it well enough to say, well, if you're going to go for a bulldog, get a bulldog with a longer nose. But of course, you know, in the UK, they don't really exist. Do they cut?
2: No. Well, well, in the Netherlands, it's, it's not all um happy thing or so, because the pedigree dogs, um, the kennel club still gives pedigrees to dogs who are bred like that, who do not meet the criteria. And we started a lawsuit against them, public lawsuit to stop them doing this because they are um, messing with people, with giving those pedigrees to those dogs.
1: And it's not just Holland, is it? That's the other amazing thing, you know, Anthony, you say about the rest of, you know, I think that direct attitude is actually quite European. Um, in many ways and we've had some legislation from Norway and then Kelly you know don't you that there's other is is it Germany and Denmark are also on a similar track now
2: mm-hmm. yes so it will spread out and then uh, I think England just has to go with it go with the flow just to be polite <laughs> I,
0: I agree Kelly and, and usually I apologize at this point for, for Brexit and leaving Europe, because I still feel that I'm a European, so I apologize. Although I have to say I didn't vote to leave. So we we still think of ourselves as Europeans. And I think this is an area that we're really being led by you, Kelly. Often the Dutch are so innovative in their approach. And it's amazing work that you're doing. I think it's it's for the animal. It's for the welfare and the health of the animals. So it's so, so important we as vets in the uk all make a commitment to you know look after the animals under our care and to you know to do no harm and um, i think cat we both agree that perhaps we need to step up more on this issue don't we you are obviously already doing it
2: yeah well if i can give her an advice just go uh get lawsuits because then you you get the government's have to go forward. So yeah. with lawsuits, we did it. It was not another uh, way to get it done.
1: I think I think that's I think that's very true. I think that's and I have tried and tried over the years. I think we all have in so many different ways to improve this situation and to you know reduce the welfare suffering of these of these breeds. And nothing is working. N- nothing nothing has worked in any significant way in in here in the UK. Nothing has worked. And now europe is showing us showing us the way forward because they tried as well it's not like we were doing it by ourselves and they suddenly have come out of nowhere with legislation change but you know these european countries have realized that that nothing else is going to achieve the aims of improving the welfare of the dogs that are, are in our care and you know britain is a very different a different environment you know more populous more disorganized lots of breeders you know we talk a lot about the kennel club but of course they represent a tiny proportion of the people who are actually producing dogs here um so i don't know whether we will ever follow with legislative change i'd be delighted if we did but i I just can't see that in our sort of social landscape anytime soon but this movement is is coming and the in addition to the legislative change, like Kelly says, it's that public perception that is changing. And it is that, that, you know, societal and social pressures are going to have as much impact if you can raise the awareness at the bar and make people understand what is happening. You know, the Brits are many things, but one thing we are is animal lovers. And if we can get, if we can somehow get that message across, you know, that's public, opinion and attitude shift will also be very very powerful
2: yes
0: kelly cat thank you so much this is such an important issue it's been great to have both of you on and thank you for the amazing work you're doing in this area it's it is so so important uh, so thank you once again for giving you time to to chat to us today
2: thank you for giving me the opportunity and cat thanks to her ha- to be here <laughs> no it's great to have you
1: i think i think Awesome what you've done.
0: Thanks everyone for listening. This is Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vet, and this has been Vet Chat. Take care, speak soon. Bye bye.